You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Before the podcast even starts, so he's just the. Um, you should see him right now. He's weeping. <laughs> he's the fuck up for the podcast. I'm the resident fuck up. The resident <laughs> fuck up. Uh, I'm a uh, writer and. Uh, oh well, Miguel's a he's a podcaster. He podcasts. I podcast. For, yeah, right. he's a yeah. And uh, I'm a writer and podcaster and shit. Do do fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a writer and a, a podcaster primarily. Do you do fun stuff? Um, you know, I, I try to steer, steer away from fun and yeah. stuff, so okay. yeah, I don't do much do, fun yeah. or stuff, or let alone fun well, stuff. That's why we make such a great pairing, is yeah. one of us does the fun stuff, Yeah, and the one of them... Yeah, I mean, only one of us could be good looking. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, Miguel? That's right. Right, and Zach? And yes, me. sir. Alright, well, what are we doing? We're doing body horror today. Yeah, and... I guess I kind of we all kind of came up with this really shitty idea, and, where, and Miguel is already paying for it. I am. He's he's wiping sweat off of his brow because we have set up blind. You know, we, we basically made uh, chicken nuggets with hot sauce, and they're blind. So basically, we're going to be eating these. One of them is super hot. One of them is less hot, but sucks. And one of them just is not that hot. And um, so what we're going to be doing is like kind of a combination of hot ones. If you're familiar with that YouTube channel or show, and you know the uh, Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that doesn't matter. You guys probably don't care about that, but it's body horror, and we're going to be going through a lot of horror. About yeah. Bodies. So so we read a lot of body horror. That's what Books and Beer does. If you're just this is the first show that you're listening to, we read books, we drink beer, and then we discuss. Yeah, and except for in this one, we harm ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're uh, the literary dirtbag left for anyone wondering. Yeah, yeah. Our this is actually things. a dirtbag left podcast. So. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, you know, I actually did Miguel. Do you, do you listen to any dirtbag left stuff? Uh, are you a part of the? Le- are you part of the movement? I think pretty much everything I do is probably dirtbag left to some people. So huh. I think probably my very existence is probably dirtbag left to some people. What are we drinking right now? We're drinking old chub. Speaking of dirtbag left. Old Chubb is a Scotch ale by uh, Oscar Blues, and I liked uh, when we came across this at Specs. Specs, uh, we're looking at you for a sponsorship. Old Chubb kind of felt good for uh, body horror because yeah. in body horror, there's a lot of sex and sexual stuff involved in it. So, oh, you're thinking I'm like, like a chub, like like, like, like your chubby, yeah. yeah, yeah, like a little chubby wee wee, yeah. <laughs> so like, so fun. Yeah. I, I, I want to clarify this because a chub sounds like half a boner to me. Yeah, oh, it yeah. Does. it's, it's just like. It's like, oh, well, that she gave me bad. She gave me a chub. She gave me a full thing, <laughs> or, or like you get like a. I think it's just like a small wee wee. Like when you get like Why a are boner, you but, wee-wee? because like oh, it's, it's not like a like a full like a that's like a cock. Okay, you know like, like a, when well, you get a boner, it's a cock. Like when uh, you, a, you a get chub a chub is like, for like a wee wee. A chub is like, excuse me, where's the little boys' room? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a boner, but I gotta pee with my ch- <laughs> with my chub. So that's what we're drinking. I was thinking chub along the lines of like chub, like chub, like there's a oh, lot of like like a, like a flesh George R. R. Martin. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of 
these stories have flesh and fattiness yeah. and like yeah well I went I went the different route with I, yeah I went for uh, the boner because if we were going that way we could have gone like uh, arrogant bast oh wasn't that I thought it was arrogant fat bastard or something that was oh well, yeah we don't have fat bastard edit that out here. We're yeah, we're going to edit here. Note to the editor, all of Miguel's talking, just edit it out. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, fat shaming is all about dirtbag left, so is that's that... part of the movement. Oh, okay, so. cool. Good. So we're allowed to fat shame or not? Oh, we are. Yeah, okay. we're allowed to do anything that has to do with shame. Okay, cool. Sweet. Awesome. What is body horror? That's what this podcast is about. That's what we've read. Uh, oh. I think... Oh. You motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, wrong one. Do you see They're not even doing it? You can't count. You can't turn things <laughs> Now you're just lashing out, okay? <laughs> All right, so body horror. What is it? Cronenberg, like, kind of... Uh, so he I, kind of invented it, and then maybe other things got tossed into that label. That's how I feel about it. And what I feel is body horror is more of a film movement than it is a literary movement. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of... I feel a lot of horror already incorporates body horror into it. It's like kind of definition. Body horror is like anything that involves mutilation or unnatural changes to the body that is disgusting. Uh, everything we've read is totally disgusting. Um, and when we say unnatural changes, they could be transforming into something alien, right? Or turning into an insect. Uh, stuff like that. Um, they could be eating a ton, right? And becoming something else. Or losing limbs, or, 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 or yeah, being tortured, tor- yeah, yeah, and so those are all like aspects of, of literature, anyways. But Cronenberg, I think, probably you're like you're right, F- it, focuses on those specific parts, right? And it, it's yeah, it's maybe less about like narrative or whatever, and that's the focus yeah. of. I feel his like body movies. horror is a device. Yeah, more than like a a, a separate like, genre. Yeah. yeah, whereas Cronenberg turned it into a genre. Yeah, right? and then later we like yeah. assign a few things like Kafka yeah. or, or yeah. you know Johnny got his gun or whatever after the fact. Right. Yeah, I feel like um, you know there's no boogeyman in here. There's no knife wielding maniac. There's no ghost. There's no monsters. Like there's no werewolf or anything like that. Wait, do you disagree? Or? I just, well, well, I mean, what we're about to get into, there is a supernatural aspect to the next thing we're going to read. So, I feel, I, I think it's less of a, it's, it's a very elastic, def, uh, you know, uh, definition that we okay. can use. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, oh, you totally did. Dude, it's all right. Please don't hit me. <laughs> we like to interrupt you a lot. Yeah, that's right. your role here yeah, you, to be interrupted. We're gonna give you one full episode to yourself, dude. You just talk. <laughs> well, we'll just That'd give you a fun. mic and not show up at your house. The most boring episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Miguel constantly preparing Maybe. for interruption. Um, can I, uh, this, oh, this oh, no this one is weird. It's just me saying four pack. Four pack. This is refreshing. One, two, six three, pack, four. Uh. <laughs> oh, is that how I sound? <laughs> After you've counted to four, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that's a good definition. Yeah. All right. Oh, so so uh, you, the the first book we're going to talk about is Johnny Got His Gun. Yeah. By Dalton Trumbo. Yeah. But before we do that, let's lose a leg or two <laughs> with one of these nuggets here. Okay. So I have it laid out. I've already made my pick. So you guys. All right. All you right. guys will decide I'm, I'm, if I'm going to put the poison in front of myself. Or if I'm going to get it as far away from myself as possible. 
Oh man, I got the shittiest one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so this is the bomb total insanity. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know about Dalton Trumbo, but I really want him to die now. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Dude, mine just hopped from bumping your one nut, right? So Andrew just got <laughs> the bomb beyond insanity. I got. Um, the, the last, uh, the Dude, last and, dad. And I got lucky. You got lucky. <laughs> okay. That sucked. Okay. Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo. When was it written? Uh, 1930-ish. It, it was 30. before World War Two, and it was after World War One. Yeah. Yeah, interesting fact. He was trying to... He was, like, su- supporting, like, a ban on it. Because it's basically... It's essentially like an anti-war essay, but um, some people, uh, I guess like really anti-World uh, War II people were like rallying behind it. <laughs> Y'all are sweating. And uh, he, talk. He, he, um, he was like against that because I guess he was, he's anti-war, but kind of pro-World War II, but then the FBI just like went after him eventually. And then he got blacklisted. He got blacklisted, yeah. yeah. And this, this book was written before he was um, yeah. blacklisted. Yeah. But they but it started the investigations on him about, like, a, I don't know, like five, six years later. Like, before World War II. Before... Anyway. Andrew, how are you feeling? <laughs> this is literally the dumbest thing we've ever done. Yeah. That's all right, you guys want to call it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is that experiment. I want to call it, but I'm not going to call it. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> I actually really like this book. I read it a long time ago. And um, I listened to it again today. And yesterday combined. Uh, today, really. it's, it's pretty yeah. short. It's pretty short. And uh, I really liked it. There's the one scene that really actually got me pretty good was the, when he's screaming for his mom. Fuck. You know, the first time. <laughs> Is like he's screaming for his mom. Mom, like, where mom, are mom, you? Where mommy. Are you? <sighs> and this is a this is a man yeah. who's like realizing I can't scream, I can't do anything, it's, I can't even die, it's and a, I can't live. So yeah, basically, it's a slow burn on on how you find these things out. Each reveal, you find out he doesn't have any legs, so he can't run. He cannot see. He cannot hear anything. All he can do. All he can do is just feel vibrations. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how he. Yeah. yeah like uh, when people walk into into the room or into but and he was bombed. This was in World War One, and it's basically just like a series of flashbacks on his life before his body was destroyed. <laughs> Andrews, Andrews, Andrew. looking like. <laughs> what do you think, man? You want to take a break? Uh, no, no, no. I'm good. <laughs> I just uh, you guys will see when we get to you know it'll be fine. So okay, so this book is fucking bananas. It's you wouldn't think it's body horror. It's definitely literary. We've talked about that already, but it's done in such a way that uh, this is probably the most horrifying of everything that we've read because it doesn't doesn't need the gore. The idea in its in and of itself is absolutely horrifying. It, it doesn't get so much into because it doesn't get so much into the the graphic visual depiction of what it's like for body horror. It's in 
all of it takes place in his mind and in flashbacks, but it is still very horrific. But yeah. it, it works as an essay that is about pacifism and like just being against war in general. I think it's like it's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, you really feel for the main character, and you just want him throughout the. There, there are several try fail cycles of him uh, being trying to be able to communicate with the outside world, like yeah. with his nurse or with his doctor, but he can't vocalize. Like he doesn't. He doesn't even have a face, and yeah. so a lot of the visuals are just what he imagines his face to be, and, the ruin of his body. Right, and also just the fact that they have to place a napkin or a whatever, a, a sheet over his face so that people walking in don't just see that. I mean, yeah, and he, well, and he knows because he can feel them walk in and he he feels their eyes on him and they just stop and they just stand still and they're just looking at him yeah. horrified and then they start walking in. Yeah, he can yeah. feel their, their steps yeah. into the room. Yeah. Let's get real dirtbag left here. All right. <laughs> okay, so I feel, this is, this is, this is getting meta, this is outside the book. The best way to prevent these kind of wars is to actually have a draft because it makes people, uh, it, it, it brings the consequences of war to every house rather than just, rather than just a small percentage of people. Yeah. It's debatable whether or not we live in democracy, blah, 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 all kind of stuff. How do you guys feel about that? It'd have to be every house. The, well, the well, problem but, is but, deferments. But, right, right, right. If to say you get rid of deferments, all that is like a perfect draft system, total lottery. Unless you got bone spurs, that's a real legitimate thing. If you got bone spurs, yeah. Well, if you got bone spurs, you could be president. But here's the thing: is like, do you think Iraq would have happened if there was a draft? I don't think it would have. I don't think there should be a draft ever, just because it doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter what people want. Like we didn't even the left didn't even win the pop. Like they won the popular vote. More people don't want Trump in office than do, and he's still there. So more people could not want war. But we'd still be stuck with the fucking draft in a war. Yeah, especially like, if all that's why I'm anti- children have aged out. You know, yeah. well, well that, that's true. But that would definitely make it lo- a far less likely for a second term. Yeah, it I mean, it, it'd be a pretty fucked up experiment to try. Yeah, we've been, yeah, dude, you're high up fucking hot sauce. You know, what you're no, 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 I actually believe that a draft is for in a democracy. That works. It's, well, that's <laughs> it's like, debatable right now. That's well, like but, 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 give everybody but you have the perfect experiment. Well, what's like unfair about it for me, though, is that why draft people when there's willing enough other people to to join the army? And, you know, fuck it. I, I'm such a pacifist. That's why. It's like, well, let all of those people who want to go to war go to war. I don't give... Yeah, but, I, I, but I would say that I don't think... I don't think that class... I, I don't think that they necessarily all want to go to war... I just think that we would be involved in less adventures, adventurism, if if everybody, every voter was actually touched by war. Well, how about because we're not all touched. Every by war. politician yeah. has to serve. Uh, there, yeah, you can see John McCain back in it. Well, I'm just John McCain's a, he's a hawk, a, a, yeah. and he's also against certain parts of war because he's fucking seen it. I, I'm just saying, like they're all so, old as shit. You know? Well, no, I, I'm no, I'm not saying like it, maybe right. you having just, had served, yeah, like or 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 you have to go back at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and also, do, why the fuck does every? I know this is like a tangent, yeah. but why the fuck does every politician have to be old as fuck? They don't know shit about the internet. They don't know shit about cybersecurity. They're fucking everything up. They're geriatrics. 
put him in the grave. That sounds like ageism. Yeah, that's some dirtbag left shit. That's ageism yeah. to me right there. Yeah, yeah well, man, we are, we, we're super dirtbag yeah, we left on this show. I just recovered from, from that bullshit experience. Yeah. Dude, fuck you were police. riding high on it, man. You, you beat the shit out of it. And so, man. by the way, now I am a conservative Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I actually really like this book. This is um, one of my favorite books. Johnny got his gun. I'm so I can happy totally see it. You didn't want to read it, uh, Zach, at the beginning. I think you were a little um, iffy on it, but how, how do you feel about it now? I think it might technically be the best thing that we've read on this list. I didn't enjoy it the most, but like after I finished reading it, I was like, this is like... it. I really don't like stories that are or, or novels that are just essays. Um, I, I really hated uh, Starship Troopers and most things that are in that vein. Yeah. But this uh, more aligns with my political philosophies, so that helps. And then also, it's just really powerfully told. It has really beautiful tri-fail cycles where you're like, you're on the edge of. Every time he's trying to communicate with someone outside of himself, yeah. you feel like you're you're like on the edge of your seat. Like, please, God, if there is a God, just get this man to be able to yeah. communicate with yeah. any human or just being. Kill him, yeah. Or, or yeah. yeah. Or if if you listen to it by in on audiobook, yeah, the it's guy just one it. by Metallica. When you listen to it on Audible, <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen on, on an audiobook, the guy who performed it did an excellent. Oh, he job. did a really great he job. Just did an absolutely great job, especially at two speed. And Dalton Trumbo's a badass, and yeah, and you, you touched on it a little bit. Metallica ended up buying the rights to the movie that came out with Timothy Bottoms, which is awesome, and. Um, I mean, it's like one of the, I think it's like a, a lost film, but everybody knows about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, this is one of my favorite I mean, I, Honestly, this should be um, high school reading. Oh. Oh, it was high school reading for me. Well, I, did, but, yeah, uh, well, I, like, I grew up in California. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A little more dirtbag left. Hey, that, that book over there, that Tim O'Brien, The Things They Carried, is that what that is? That's, that was high school reading for me. I, I actually never read it. That's pretty good. Just on my bookshelf. Yeah, he 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 lives over here. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a, a MFA professor at Texas State. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, that's a tangent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I highly recommend it. But but go in. You know, it's it's not a horror. It, it is you know a really personal story about war. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And it's and it's good. It has. It also splits like a almost like a mashup where there are short stories that are like vignettes of his past, yeah, um, that are really beautifully told, and and there's a lot of imagery there, and it's not just feelings and things like that. And so. and, and it really is like not to say too much about the whole thing, but really is like a tale of life with its all its flaws and its beauty from a perspective of a guy who literally cannot yeah do anything about it, and, and he's fucking young what yeah. happens too that's like yeah. what's so tragic about it because yeah. you all of his memories are like of a, a a child a young man and a young adult yeah, yeah. and that's all of his memories yeah. like yeah. you like you said when he was um, calling out for his mom it was so gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching yeah, yeah. Dude, that got me. I, was, I was in the shower and listening to that part and I was like <laughs> I just you, you just know, let the tears because it's already Natalie in the and Bruglia dude I was lying <laughs> naked on the bathroom on the floor, floor. Yeah. nice Nice Did anyone get reference. that reference, dude? This is Ready Player One, torn, Ernest Klein. Dude, I love Ready Player One. I can't wait to watch the movie, dude. Yeah. 
I'd give it. I had, a, I had a chance to see it at South by, and I was like, "Fuck no!" Yeah. You're like, "No, I'm gonna wait to see it with my boys." Yeah, the boys. <laughs> I, I'm actually, you know, uh, a big deal with the Alamo Draft House, so I'm in there. Um, their oh, so you're like a predator? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you're like a sexual predator? Uh, edit that We're out. Edit <laughs> no, no, they have a program for. Um, Harry loyalty program, to where you can touch loyalty women. program, oh, oh, gotcha. and so they have a free screening this Sunday of a coming soon movie, and I think it's gonna be Ready Player One. So I'll tell you guys. So I get it for free. Oh, and... so we're not invited, is what you're saying? Oh, thanks. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, it's well, thanks the, for letting us know that you're. Oh, cool. Me and Hillary are gonna go. We're gonna rock it out. Oh, okay. okay. Well, yeah. have fun. Cool. Yeah. yeah, have fun. With your I'll let you guys know. Rewards points, dude. <laughs> I hope you get a mural God on the damn. wall someday. My eyes just starting to feel better right now, guys. So. <laughs> All right, next, right? Guts. Chuck Palahniuk, short yeah. story, really short story. Real short uh, story, real Published gross. 2005 in Playboy, I think. Yeah. Uh, I've read. I haven't actually looked in that. Yeah, no, I didn't look at the... Um, yeah, Playboy sucks. Anyway. Yeah, dude, it's weird. I, I gotta see the P and the V. And there's, I, you know, I asked Nina to just please find the page where the story was. <laughs> yeah, because you, you didn't... Try, yeah. I was not interested in any of that. No. Not no. at all. It's derogatory towards women? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Storm, yeah, I, Stormy Daniels. <laughs> sixty minutes. This will probably air after that airs. So, whoa! How about that sixty minutes? <laughs> Jesus guys? Christ! Whoa! It was great. Yeah. <laughs> and now we know my hands. Are, uh, hands speaking are so of small. Trump, twenty twenty, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> because Jesus. of that, right? Yeah. Uh, guts. guts. Yeah, did any of y'all grow up with a pool in your backyard? Yeah. No, I have a pool right now, but. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the tides have turned because <laughs> neither of us have a pool now. Yeah. We yeah. grew up with one, but you didn't grow up with one, and now you have a pool. No, no. And I was always afraid of getting sucked in that little that, the, the filter thing he's talking about. Uh, but I never imagined, never imagined I'd pro, prolapse. So, so that, yeah, I mean, this story, all it is, is a story, it's like a guy talking about something that happened to him. He first, it's really, really well written. Like, yeah. I, I like the way it's written a very conversational way. It starts off and he's like talking about a dude who like stuck candle wax in his dick. Yeah, oh my god. And, and you're like, each time you hear something, you're like, you just imagine, if you're a guy, you just imagine doing it to yourself and be like, what the fuck would happen if like a candle wax broke off inside of my dick? And then like, what what would happen if I, like, then the boner goes away? But then does the, the wax come out or does it go inside? And in the, the story, it like goes in this dude's intestine. Yeah. And then what was the other one? I forgot. Oh, oh yeah, dude stuck a carrot up his butthole. Oh, that, yeah, that wasn't even that bad. And then, then the main character. All right. The so here's the so, thing. So, 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 the third, the third thing. The third one. You want me to talk? Yeah, about Yeah, yeah. You one? talk about it. Bring it I, up. Oh man, you look so. Cool You're the one right with now. the pool. You're the one with <laughs> yeah. the pool. So you got to talk about it. He's 13 so, years so old. He's 13 years old, and he is. He's kind of advanced for like to be 13 years old sexually. Well. To himself, like self-gratification, right? Dude, you didn't start jacking off when you were six? No, no. so he's got all these really crazy That's ways to jerk off. To, and one of them is to jerk or ejaculate, well, jerk off in the pool and then come. Dude, it's called pearl, pearl catching. Pearl diving. Pearl diving. Yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> and for all his ejaculate to, to come up to the surface and then he would scoop it up afterwards. Yeah. He got off on that. And then he also got off on... Uh, going all the way to the bottom of the uh, the pool by the filter. Yeah, and kind of get like a, a, a 
Give that that, suction. that yeah. anal analingus. Yeah, yeah the analingus yeah. Uh, through through suction cupping, I guess. Yeah. And so he would go up, and he would just go up for some air, and come right back down. And I guess that suction was getting it off, getting him off at thirteen, which is so weird. And uh, the last time he does it, he goes down there, and the vacuum is so strong, it pulls out his, his anus. And is that actually what you know prolapse means? Is your anus your Dude, innards yeah. come outside? Well, come out? Yeah, dude. The first time, my first experience of anal prolapse. Yeah, well, how did it happen? Yeah, to you? It wasn't me, but uh, you're my buddy. Dude, <laughs> dude. I was actually on the internet, and it was one of those. It was, videos, it was one of those videos that back before YouTube, you just was it a lemon, lemon party? No, no party? it definitely wasn't lemon party. But oh, it was, that one's it was good. a similar trick, right? But it was one where uh, I, this guy's weightlifting, right? Oh, Jesus Christ! And you know, it goes shows like everything. <laughs> you know, it shows like the, the view. And then as he's trying to lift up, his he prolapses. What the it's fuck? It's so disgusting. This is an actual video. So this is le- that's so. legit body horror, but yeah. I don't think that's real because it must not be real. I don't know. So anyway, he so might have farted as he was lifting. I don't know. <laughs> God, so this happens to the kid, and he doesn't realize that first. He thinks it's some sort of snake or something that's biting him on the butt. So he's kind of like kicking it, but he's drowning because the uh, the suction has him. So tight that he can't make it to the surface. So he's like very uh, frantic and he's kicking around trying to get back to the surface. And I, I think he finally realizes it. Or I don't know if he does. He does realize it, but it's after he's like all of his intestines are basically sucked into <laughs> his the thing. Texas, yeah. yeah, that's right. So that he just he goes for it and he just has to bite himself free. Yeah, and he call he calls he he, he there's some kind of image about how his. His ass is just the other end of his mouth. Yeah, like yeah. He, he, the way he says it's like it, unspoiling. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. It made me laugh because it's funny. But then, like at the end, he's talking about how he only had like six inches from his, <laughs> of, his uh, mouth yeah. to his ass or whatever. Yeah, so it's in his heart. Right? Yeah, his stomach's in his heart. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so yeah, he asks to chew himself free, and I don't know if it's this one or if it's another story where he compares it to. Um, like a lambskin condom. Yeah, oil, yeah, oil yeah, that's it, yeah. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. And he just chews himself free. He ends up surviving. He says he never grows another pound or, you know, he stays very... Yeah. He's a grown man now, but he a looks like he's a 13-year-old yeah. boy, you know. <laughs> and that's his... And, 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 and his sister got <laughs> pregnant. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Of his chlorine cum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that was the 13-year-old It was too much. That about. part was too much. Yeah. So... After I read this, I texted you guys, like, whoever chose this story, fuck you. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was Zach that chose it. Yeah, because I, I, I'd always heard about this story. I yeah. knew what happened in yeah. it. And everyone's like, oh, it's disgusting. You got to read it. And it, it's disgusting. Yeah. And we read it. I mean, I, there's kind of nothing to it other than it's just like, yeah. can you can you get through it? It's an exercise in gross out stuff, yeah. which it, is, you know, it's, it's an art, man. It, I mean, it's it, really it, it's really gross. Like, yeah. when, when he starts talking about, like, what it is like to, like, bite through it. Yeah. And then also, like, what the water is like filling. Like, he describes, yeah. like, his fucking shit. His, like... Oh, the pill. The, he, he takes yeah, pills. Like, and yeah. yeah, like, what's in his intestine yeah. and stuff, like, as he, like, bites through it. That's disgusting. And I, I feel like I like Chuck Palahniuk more as a short story writer than yeah. as a novelist. Only because he's such a stylistic writer. Like, he has such a defined style yeah. that it becomes grading over the course of a novel. Like, I read Choke uh, when I was in college, and he did this Well, you thing. didn't even finish it, right? I didn't finish it. He did this thing where, it was, where he said, oh, it was like this word. 
or something like it in every single chapter. And I was almost going, it's really chatty, like the way. Yeah, and it just gets irritating. It's very conversational. Like he didn't, like he was just writing down. He didn't go. No, he didn't even write that down. He he dictated that shit. It felt like he didn't go through any drafts. You know, well, it's conversational, but it's like talking to somebody who has set things they're going to say and then can't improvise. Yeah. So so that's uh, how I feel about his novels, at least. So he said that. All this stuff is based on true stories, right? The first two stories, the carrot and the what was the second one? The candle. The candle was by his friends. His, some of his friends told the story, and the third one was uh, some guy he met, and he was really. Um, I thought the third one was him. No, he has. Dude, no, 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 Chuck. Oh, Ch- no, no, no. I meant like it's the main character in the story. No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is Chuck, P- P- Pullen, whatever. He, he's saying when he wrote these stories, he said that they're based on true stories. So the first one and the second one are his friends that, that told him the story. And the third one was somebody he met. And he was like very skinny. And Chuck's like, oh, man, how do you keep your weight off? And he's like, oh, I, I have like eight inches of intestinal tract or whatever. And he told him that what happened. I don't know if it was specifically... The, the Yo, I don't believe thing. that shit, dude. That's what he says, you know. So I don't know. But dude, I, fuck Chuck Palahniuk. Dude, I also, I mean, I also kind of hate looking behind the curtain. You know, if, well, it, that's it, what I do here. Yeah, but, but no, no, but but, it, but that meat curtain. It, no, if a writer, <laughs> if a writer says, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> everything is based on a true story," it's like I'm less impressed with everything that's going on. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, don't really... tell me. Of course, I know you're stealing from everybody. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. but just don't tell it to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. So uh, I it. give it a pass. <laughs> pass, really? Yeah, I mean it's it's, a, you know, it's, it's dude. If you it is not necessary it. reading, no, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's absolutely not necessary reading. But if you got ten minutes to spare, yeah, and you want and you want to jack off, yeah, yeah, or you or you want to lose your boner real quick, yeah. <laughs> you, dude, I was or you want to like, dry up. <laughs> I was speed reading through this story because I just like oh man, I wanted to be over because it was just that bad. Like not bad, bad. Just like the the subject matter was bad. You're a prude, dude. Dude, I could get into it. I'm re. I'm. I ordered his. Uh, you know his collection. Did you? No. Fuck no. <laughs> All right. All right. What are we? What are we drinking here? Too hearted. Too hearted. And why are we drinking that? Because uh, we're you, talking about the Hellbound Heart. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what? can we pause real quick so I can go pee and collect uh, myself? Tell, tell me what to do. Now we're gonna talk about Clive Barker's Hellbound Heart, written in '86. It's like a novella. But like 160, 170 pages. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I flew through this one. Yeah. I liked it. And it's funny because I had a natural uh, predisposition to not like Clive Barker. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, 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 The first thing I read by Clive Barker was Damnation Game, which I, I might have even said this before. It's, it's really long and it's really boring. It's a, like a lot of yeah. generic Stephen King books where nothing fucking happens. It's all character development and it has a shitty ending. That that's what that Clive Barker was, and I was like, oh, this is just like a shittier, more Cthulhu style Stephen King or yeah. Lovecraftian Stephen King. But this was so fast paced, yeah. like you don't you don't you're not allowed to breathe for a minute. Mm. Um, there's always something happening. The main character it's it's a, a, a omniscient, so there's not like really like a main character. Yeah. It kind of goes from character to character. But it just has like a very fascinating premise. The Hellbound Heart. It's oh, good, about I just the, got that the first Hellraiser. The Hellbound Heart. I got it. Yeah. I'm just saying. I understand the shit? title now. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah. 
okay. And I think about it before. The that's hell all. Bound? Yeah. Yeah. Bound for He's hell. Bound, his heart is bound in hell. It's bound in hell? Or is it hell? Is it going to hell? Oh. Oh, shit. And is it even his heart? Is it the the chick that's the main character for most of it? Yeah. Uh, Julia. Julia. Which I really liked because a lot of these, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of these stories that we read were male protagonists, weren't they? Yeah. No. Well, well I the, mean, Uzumaki, no, Uzumaki was mainly... Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 But I, I found it a surprise that she was the kind of the main character. In but so do you want to describe She also what? sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's such a bitch. But um, so basically, it starts off the the main character is this guy named Frank, and he's a shithead. He's kind of like a thief and an adventurer, and kind of just like a, a and he's he a rapist. Yeah, he's also he like his main goal in life is pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah. like literally, he the reason he gets this. Uh, what's the cube called? Yeah. The puzzle boxes. Oh, the, yeah, it was like the a limerick box or something. Lamarck's like. box. Lamarck's box. Okay, yeah. so it's this, you know, fancy cube that is kind of like steampunked out, and it, it's like a you know Rubik's cube on acid. And yeah. he uh, once supposedly he's heard all these rumors. He's been pursuing just pleasure, and in his mind, he thinks it's like uh, I almost thought of it as like a. Um, Islamic uh, suicide bombers type paradise, like where it's like all these like virgins in heaven. Yeah. Like that's what his mind is thinking that this pleasure is going to be. He's got this box, he unlocks it, and he has all these like little sacrificial things. Yeah, and, like I love these little details of like a jar of piss and yeah. like some you know spoiled milk yeah. and things that he has to like give to the cenobites. He doesn't know. I mean, I'm sure if you've seen Hellraiser, you know what the Cenobites are, so you know it's not really pleasure that he's going to end up having. And and the this is like right in the first or second, the first two chapters. Oh, yeah. yeah, like he he unlocks the box, and the Cenobites come, and they're like androgynous, disgusting. Uh, yeah. This is where the body horror gets in. Like they're they've kind of like. Uh, mutilated themselves and they're yeah like yeah. hermaphrodite type thing they're yeah they're androgynous they he can't tell what they, they've like kind of slit their throats open and like their their scarification everywhere and it's well I, I think that opening, super BDSM type thing yeah that the opening chapter to me was really really great it pulls you yeah. into it and, like immediately yeah. and one of the main things though is. Oh, you get this full pleasure, but part of it is because your senses are overloaded. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it like your nerves are exposed, yeah. right? So seeing things hurts because he's seeing everything, yeah. hearing, he hears everything, he smells yeah. everything, yeah. and so he's just overloaded, and it's like torture. Yeah, know? and uh, the Cenobites know this, and they're used to it, and that's probably why they look so fucked up, is because. Yeah. You know. Like for them, like yeah. imagine like having a root canal and just touching that root. Yeah. Like for them that's fucking. That's like that's every alive. sense, like yeah. taste, touch, yeah. sight, yeah. smell, everything. That that's how he experiences And and he wasn't yeah. Frank wasn't going he was more he was more magic. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he was thinking it was just gonna be a bunch of chicks that are virgins yeah. that he's yeah. gonna bang, but then it's just like him in this literally like a torture dimension where he can feel way more than any human can feel oh and by the way they're torturing him to death over and over and over again yeah they're like ripping his flesh off and and anyway so it it ends with him being dragged into this dimension of like extreme you know 
not pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pain and torture. Not or before he gets to jack off on the floorboards, which is very important. Right. Because it comes back and. Yeah. Yeah. He spills his seed. That's a nicer way to put it. There you go. And, and yeah, and that's how he. That's how he comes back. Is when uh, is it Mark? Who's who's the uh, Rory? Rory, I love that name, Rory. So Rory, his brother, and Julia, his brother's wife, come into uh, the place that he was renting his his flat. Or no, no, sorry, that he owns. Yeah, 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 that he that he owns, and um, eventually Rory spills blood on that spot. And by the way, uh, Rory's wife like is a piece of shit, and she hates him, and she banged. Uh, Frank, Frank two weeks before uh, they got married. Yeah, like in, well, in, did she bang it? Was she raped and then kind of changed no, it in her mind to be like well, she in love? It started. She wanted it and then it turned into a rape. She so yeah, so she yeah. was like like she wanted him. She always wanted him and then he raped her. Yeah. So and, and but then and but but the but the basis she's acting on is because she's still she, she wants thinks she wants him. him. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like a piece of shit rapist. Yeah. And well, part of one of my favorite things about this book too was she just goes to like a local pub, and it's kind of like a commentary on on male <laughs> male sexuality. Is yeah. like, hey, you want to fuck? And she's like, no, get away from me. But eventually, you know, but it's just so easy yeah. for her to have her pick, and she yeah. just murders these people. Yeah. yeah, she has to. So what happens is. Uh... Rory bleeds on on that spot. He's cuts himself, right? Cuts, yeah, on accident. Yeah, on accident. And then so that, along with the spur or the um, Frank Seaman, kind of brings him back a little bit. He has a little bit of hold in in this world. Yeah. And so he starts talking to what's Julia. It? Julia, and like she hears it, and he's like, "Bring me back!" Like he writes uh, on the wall and blood, like stuff so like that. So that's why she goes out to the bar. She picks up these guys. To literally spill blood yeah. for Frank, and and part of the body horror there is Frank is slowly being resurrected. So he, how does he look? Like yeah, at first he's just like sinew and muscles wrapped around um, like a like skeleton, bones, yeah. yeah, bones, right? And then after each successive kill, he gets more and more looking like human. But it's a really nasty trip to get there. Yeah, so. She, after each successive kill, he, he becomes more human. But actually, he's, like, losing his humanity. Yeah, but, but the other thing that was kind of weird to me is, like, he was also super strong. Like, he had, like, super strength. He could uh, kill these before people. Before that? No, after. Oh, after, oh, yeah. So I was, like, kind of a little bit confused. Like, so from being in this dimension, as he's, like, stealing people's vitality, he's also getting super strong. Yeah. Well, kind of like that... Uh... Spirit animal, well, not spirit animal thing, but like you, you eat the animal to get their spirit in you. Sort yeah, of thing, maybe you know something like that. Yeah, that one of the things about it though, um, I do think there's a lot of fat in the. It was, it was a short novel, but there's still some fat. Like, dude, some of the dialogue in this in this book is atrocious. Where it's like, I, I took a screenshot of. I might even look for yeah. it, but the some of the interactions between. The wife and the and the dad, I mean the, dad, the, the husband. husband, were just so atrocious. It's it, like, uh, okay, sweetie, they would call each other by name a lot, yeah. as if like Clyde Barker was trying to remind himself. Dude, who was dude talking. you know who these characters are? <laughs> yeah, right? you know like, their names. Right? Yeah, there's only two people in the room, dude. Obviously, yeah. I know who they're talking to. Yeah, and it becomes unnatural. 
Um, those kind of things irk me a lot. I will just say, though, the violence in this, uh, there was a lot of suspense at, during those scenes where, yeah. where she was killing those motherfuckers. All, all of that stuff really, you know, whatever. Who cares about the dialogue uh, at a point? The body horror was great. Yeah. I, one thing that I thought was really good besides the body horror was the way he described the wife's feelings towards the husband and the, the husband's feelings towards the wife. Like, he had a really good... He always would use, like, really good metaphors and similes. And the way uh, those characters felt, their relationship felt very real to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought he did a really good job. Uh, Maybe the dialogue was kind of hit and miss, but the way those characters felt about each other and how he described their feelings for each other and and her feelings for Frank, which are... It's totally bizarre... Why she would love Frank, like she literally yeah. loves him, and he's he raped her, right? I, I think but, it, but it feels right because of how it's written. Yeah, to yeah. me, it comes out of her hatred for Rory, her, yeah, her husband, that love for Frank, like because Frank represents everything that Rory isn't, you know. So she she's taking uh, all this, uh, all the love she had for her husband. Now it's being replaced with hate. She has all this love, and she gives it to Frank. I don't. I think it could have been anybody. Honestly. Yeah, like she was just. She just really despised her husband. She's just a dumb bitch. Yeah. <laughs> the ending. We the don't. Ending. We don't say that word. No. <laughs> the the ending was real to me. It was really creepy when it was Kirsty. She's like the savior. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, when she comes in and oh, it's oh, it's Rory. But like, there's kind of stuff wrong I, no, with I the knew, face. Yeah, it was just like immediately. I was like, you know, he wore his brother as a skin suit, basically. Which reminded me of like, uh, do you remember Men in Black? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I yeah. need some sugar water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded yeah. me of. You know. So, uh, so what Andrew was talking about is there's this woman that works with Rory, I believe. Yeah. And, and she has a crush on him, like a man crush. And but he, but he never st- straight out says that. It's just like really hinted at. Right, right. And right. I love that style. Like yeah. he, you just yeah. get that she has this thing for him. She has this thing for him. Rory doesn't know she exists other than she's just a colleague or a friend. He has no a good friend. Yeah. yeah, he has no feelings for her whatsoever. But she does for him. And so she's kind of like she sees something's going wrong, and so she's like she's she wants to help him out, scoping yeah. the house. She's waiting like to swoop in, dude. Yeah, yeah. she wanted that. She's deal. hoping. She, she wants that. Here's the thing, and it's kind of uh, omniscient narrator, but I think it becomes unreliable when it's going to Kirsty's point of view because she wants that. Because no, basically, you think none of this is actually happening. It's all on Kirsty's oh, head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's creating this narrative for yeah. Rory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So it's basically a stalker story, yeah, and she kills story. Rory. Yeah, she kills Holy Rory. Fuck. Yeah. There is no Frank ever. Yeah. You know? it's just a story God, she damn. came up with. Uh, so, uh, so, so this is what she tells the cops. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so eventually, she becomes the heroine of this story because she kind of never gives up on Rory, and uh, she comes to the house and she actually takes the the treasure box. Or yeah, she, the she solves box. it. Yeah. So she she takes that treasure box. She jumps out the window trying to escape from Frank's corporeal body or whatever. And then she goes in the hospital and uh, she solves this puzzle there. The Cenobites come to like retrieve her. And then what was what I really liked was the Cenobites realized she didn't know what she was doing. She and was the, and but they didn't up. give yeah. a shit. They're like, yeah. well, we still gotta kill you. Yeah. So, or we don't, we're not gonna kill you. We're just gonna torture you for eternity. The best part was like, did you do this on purpose? Yeah. Like, no. 
Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like that's it happened. What they're like? Uh, it happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, basically, she negotiates with them. Like, yeah, I can get. You remember Frank, yeah. that dude that escaped? Or no, they didn't actually know that he escaped. They thought yeah. he was yeah. in some place. Yeah. So like, you remember that guy? I can totally get you. And so like, yeah, you get him, or we're gonna take you. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes back to the house to get Frank. That's when she sees Frank's now in, in Rory's skin. And uh, I don't remember all everything that ends up happening. She she has to. So basically, the Cenobites don't even get involved. They're watching. They, yeah, it's implied they're watching, and they just want to take the winner. Yeah, she has to extract out of him to to admit that he's Frank. Yeah, and then once he admits, once he says, "I'm Frank," which that was another aspect of dialogue, which is kind of weird to me. But once. <laughs> I'm Frank. I'm saying into the microphone. I'm Frank and last name, and then Cinnabite save the day, dude. Fucking their claws come out and they take him right back to rip him apart. And and then he there's like this strange moment right at the end where he just he's in like immense pain, and then he just looks at her and he's just like makes like a gesture at her, like oh yeah, yeah, oh he does a tongue thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's like he's like he like does want to. Yeah. So basically, what Zach did is he put two the, the, fingers up to his mouth and it's the inter- international sniper coming in, slobbered all over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it that the whole ride, I just really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was great. I like this, um, and it was. I'm pretty uh, surprised how close the movie was to this story. It's been a long time, so I kind of didn't like the movie, but I... Well, I, I've, I saw the movie first, and I, so I like it, but it's pretty spot on. Maybe there's some things that changed because it's been a couple years, but from what I remember, uh-huh. it's pretty spot on, like, uh, translation. So, I, when I read... The, so, I, I didn't care too much for the movie either. I didn't hate it, though. It's been a long time yeah. since I've seen it. It's been a long time for me, too, but this is... Such this this kind of story to me only works in the written form. It's so because, surreal, right? It's right? so surreal, and then there's there's like this mundane reality with this absurd unreality. Yeah, like, like a, it's like a multi-dimensional story, and it just it feels f- uh, false on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? and we're, we're talking we're people who watch you know superhero sci-fi stuff, but there's just something about the structure it, of this that is literature rather than it, any anything that's like. Lo- Lovecraftian, which this is like a, a superior version of a Lovecraftian yeah. co- cosmic uh, extra dimensional type story. Yeah. It's just they, for whatever reason, they're so hard to convert yeah. to, to um, I think the, the be- visual format. Yeah, I think because in a movie you need those visuals so they don't rely so much on the emotion and the, and the character study and all that. Whereas yeah. in, in, when we're reading it, they have. They don't need the visual so much. I mean, they're they're making the visual in your head, but it more it's more relying on storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So the other really interesting thing I, I felt was the, because it's an omniscient narrator, or it's it's third person omniscient. So it goes from different character to different character seamlessly, which is something that's not super common in prose. Yeah. Usually you have a, a what's called like third person um, restricted or uh, yeah. Th- I, I think it's third person retreat if you're talking about. Yeah, where it's, it's right. just in one character's head, and then they will break it, and there'll be like a um, either a chapter break or like right. a, a break in, in the story uh, with at least two hard returns, and then that'll be like go on to the next character. This is like a seamless between one character's thoughts to another character's yeah. thoughts. And I th- that's something that you don't read a whole lot in prose anymore. 
and I really liked it. And when it's done well, you don't even notice yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you right? don't. Do you, do you think that some of that uh, dialogue that you were talking about is because he's... Clive Barker's British, right? And it yeah. was set in England. He, well, so and, he, this, and this was early Clive Barker, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's only clunky because it's early. But also, I think... I think a lot... It doesn't even matter what level writer you are, though. Even great writers with dialogue, it gets clunky because... You still have to move along the plot, yeah, and you still have to be clear. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do, but I understand where the clunkiness comes from. So I'm not like totally holding against them, yeah, because it's it's like it's uneven dialogue. Um, there's some people who can do great dialogue all the way through, but this is only uneven dialogue. There's some good dialogue, and then there's some bad dialogue. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like it's a, it's a piece of shit. You know, right. I actually liked it a lot, yeah. and I actually want to read more Clive Barker now. Before I was totally turned off by him. Yeah. Um, I read something a long time ago. I just never liked it. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you that uh, um, Cold Heart Canyon. Cold Heart Canyon. I think you talked about that before, right? Yeah, I did. Like Clive Barker was along the lines of like a Dean Koontz for me. Like I'm not. I'm not saying they're like they Dude. may or may not be. I'm just saying they were those authors that I wouldn't touch. Yeah. And now that we having read this. I would definitely re- look into some more Clive Barker. So, so you give it a... Oh, I give it a, a strong yeah. thumbs up. I yeah, me a, too. I give yeah. it a chubs up for real. Yeah. Chubs, <laughs> chubs up. Got, got a full oh, chub on that. Oh, by the way, we're we're drinking too hard a nail. Did we even mention that? We didn't, but you know what? This even works because it's a heart, the hellbound heart. Yeah, so, exactly. Oh, yeah. that's exactly why we did that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. We're going we're to end I, on I, that. Okay. <laughs> I, I do want to tell you, I, I, I just as a side, you can totally edit this out. We should have an episode where we do grocery store novels. Grocery store. Yeah, you know where you get a checkout line. You get like James Patterson, oh, you know, and they're they're like this thick, and there's two dollars. We should do where we have to go to a grocery store. Literally, like we have to get everything that we read in the grocery store. Stephen King, Stephanie Myers. Yeah, I mean, you you can get some good shit. We we might be able to get something good. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. but grocery store novels. Yeah, Yeah, not a real genre. All right, okay, all right, all right. So let's. This is part one. We'll wrap it up uh, and. We've got Uzumaki, we got Spread, we got Monkey Treatment, and The Troop yeah, and, coming and when up. And Susurus Stirs. And When Susurus Stirs. Mm-hmm. Part two. And then we're going to... We all read, read When Susurus Stirs. Yes, yeah, definitely. All, Zach definitely read When Susurus Stirs. And uh, we're definitely going to continue with the Indian experiment. We're definitely going to go with the Yeah. <laughs>